Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode because it's about a dieting method that is wildly popular, and I have got the number one researcher on the subject of intermittent fasting for you today. Her name is Dr. Krista Verity, and let me tell you, she is a straight shooter. She tells it like it is, no sugarcoating necessary, she just delivers the fact. As a highly esteemed professor and researcher of nutrition at the University of Chicago in Illinois, Dr. Krista Verity has dedicated over 15 years of her research to the fascinating field of intermittent fasting, or as some people call it, time-restricted feeding. Her work is funded by the NIH, the American Heart Association, and the University of Illinois, and she has published over a hundred publications on the topic. She is also the author of the book, The Every Other Day Diet. In this episode, we take a deep dive on intermittent fasting. Dr. Verity delivers the truth on intermittent fasting and parses out why it works for weight loss. Is this the secret magic solution we've all been looking for, or... Is it that time-constrained windows of eating are the primary drivers for weight loss? So whether your goal is to lose weight or just to maintain your weight or simply to improve your overall health without the burden of constant calorie counting, this episode is going to be of tremendous value. So let's dig right into it with one of the leaders in the field, Dr. Krista Verde. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Krista, thank you so much for joining me today on The Blueprint. I'm really excited about this because you are a straight shooter and you are truly an expert. There's a lot of people that claim to be experts and then there are real experts. And I want to frame our conversation today by starting with the definition of what is intermittent fasting. Sure. So intermittent fasting is basically an umbrella term for three different types of diets. But just to kind of actually backtrack a, even a little bit more than that, intermittent fasting is really just a period of like eating and then a period of not eating. So it's something that we do almost like when we go to sleep at night and stop eating and then wake up and start eating again. But scientifically, I'd say it's been studied as like three major forms. There's alternate day fasting where people do like a fast day and a feast day. On the fast day, it's like either just totally water or like 500 calories, like kind of like a medium sized meal. And then that's alternated with the feast day where you don't have to like count calories or carbs or anything. And then that one kind of just flip flops like that indefinitely. And then the second one is um, the 5-2 diet, which is like really popular in the UK, which is just two of those fast days per week and then five feast days. And then by far the one that's most popular in America right now is um, time-restricted eating where people eat within like a window of time each day, you know, anywhere from typically like four hours up to 10 hours. And then um, they just fast usually with water for the remaining hours of the day. Alternate day fasting. Have you done that? I have done it. I used to, when I started studying this about 20 years ago, that's the only thing that I was studying. And um, it was like the first thing I tested out in like animal models and then in humans. And then I do have to admit, I've moved on to time-restricted eating because it's just alternate day fasting is like really hard to do. You know, 500 calories every other day, it kind of messes with your like social schedule and it's, yeah, it's tricky. So <laughs> some people swear by it and they love it, but um, yeah, it's tricky. Is time-restricted feeding more effective than general caloric restriction? 
so like if you're calorically restricted in a time restricted period. So some people think I'm just doing intermittent faster time restricted feeding, but I believe if you want to lose weight, you need to be in a caloric deficit. So if you're in a caloric deficit versus time restricted feeding in a caloric deficit is one superior to the other. I'd say no. I I think basically both of them. So the cool thing about time-restricted eating that I think people don't fully understand is that you don't have to combine that with calorie counting just by limiting your window to like six or eight hours per day. That naturally reduces energy intake by anywhere from like three to 600 calories per day. So it kind of has like a built-in calorie restriction, which is on par with like daily calorie restriction diets, which also try to reduce people's calories by about 500 per day. So I think, I think maybe one of the questions you might ask me is like, is it the fasting or the weight loss? But I really think, you know, all these diets do is help people eat less. And then because of that, they're losing weight. And then that's creating all these like metabolic benefits. So that's really interesting. I think it's really important for people to understand this is that it, because you're restricting your eating window, people are consuming less food, which is leading to weight loss. If you were to consume a eucaloric diet and be in a restricted feeding window, are there benefits to this type of eating style? There has been one, I think just today, there's just been one or two studies that have shown that when people do a pretty small window, like six hours, but place it very early in the day, there might be some benefits. Our bodies are like really insulin sensitive in the morning. So our ability to like put away sugar is really good, right? When we wake up and then it gets like pretty bad, like worse over the course of the day. So there have been some studies showing that if you eat all your calorie needs, but place this really short window early in the day, that might be helpful, but that hasn't been replicated in other studies. So I'm not sure. I think for me, looking at like the full body literature, I think a lot of it is just the weight loss that's driving most of the effects. Yeah. And when people lose weight, what are the types of things that you're seeing from a physiological standpoint? What are the benefits? Oh, we see. So we see cardiovascular benefits. People's blood pressure goes down. Heart rate goes down. Nothing crazy, but by like, you know, five to 10%, that type of thing. And then cholesterol levels, like the bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol has gone down as well. And triglyceride levels, those are a little less consistent. And I think that's just because like so many of our um, participants with obesity are already on like statins and like cholesterol lowering drugs. So they tend to already have like kind of cholesterol levels in the normal range. And once you're already kind of in a healthy range, it's hard to like move those things even more. And then in terms of like diabetes risk factors, we see insulin levels go down. We've also seen like insulin resistance decrease. And then we just submitted a paper in people with type 2 diabetes and we saw that it helped lower A1C just as much as like a standard, just as much as like standard care diets, like what, what the ADA, American Diabetes Association is recommending. So lowered A1C by about one full point, which is pretty cool over six months. That's significant. <laughs> That's very significant. Yeah, for sure. For sure. By eating in an eight hour window. And it was great. And the, the participants in that study actually like really liked it just because they've been, a lot of them had had diabetes for at least 15 years. And they're like, oh man, I'm so sick of people telling me to do like calorie counting. They're like, I just want to stop it with the carbs and calories. And it's so nice to just eat within this window and like forget about it. So I think, yeah, I think it worked for them. 
it's kind of hard to cram in a lot of food in a small period of time. You just don't feel like eating as much. Like you eat your meal and you're like, I got to do it again in two hours. And how much more can I eat? And so that's kind of, I see why this is an effective strategy. Is there a, an, a feeding window that's better for six or eight hours? Or is it all kind of the same? Short, so shorter windows will produce greater energy restriction. I think that's the main thing we're learning. So the kind of four to six hours, that's where you're going to cut out about five to 600 calories. 800 is closer to like 300 calories. And then there's even 10 hour windows that some studies have used. And that's like usually just about a 200 calorie deficit per day. So I'd say the main thing it does is shorter windows create faster weight loss, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, total sense. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's- Nothing too surprising about it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's basic math, in my opinion. Now, there are some, you know, when it comes to weight loss, I try to be very sensitive because some people may have other co-founding variables. But something that I found interesting with time-restricted feeding is that I felt like, let's say I, I'm on a 16-hour period of time I haven't eaten. Or, so let's say I stopped eating at 5 o'clock the previous night. And it's around 10 o'clock the next morning. I feel like my, I start getting a little bit amped up, like a little bit jittery, almost like my sympathetic nervous system is starting to ramp up. Is that actually happening? I've heard some thoughts around like, you know, your, your body's trying to mobilize free fatty acids. So there's a bit of a increase in um, catecholamines. Is that, is that a biological process that's occurring? Well, your body is definitely going to tap into its like fat reserves in periods of like fasting. So yeah, that's definitely happening. Whether or not, I haven't seen many studies directly looking at catecholamines, but I'm sure, yeah, your body is, you know, after eight to 12 hours of fasting, your body needs energy. So, and then your glycogen stores get depleted from your muscle and your liver. So then it starts to tap into other stuff for sure. Let's face it, in a world brimming with health advice, gym jargon, and trendy diets, it can be tough to find your true north. You're busy, you're dedicated, you're a go-getter, but finding time-efficient, science-backed health and fitness guidance, well, that can be a real challenge. That's where my newsletter, Adaptation, comes in. Adaptation is your essential, easy-to-digest Friday newsletter. It's your handy guide that helps you sift through the noise to bring you the most valuable health and fitness tips out there crafted for your mind, body, and recovery. Don't have time for long reads? No problem. Adaptation understands your hustle and delivers you value-packed, bite-sized advice that's actionable. Whether you want to look better, feel better, or perform better, or all three, we've got you covered. It's not just a newsletter, it's a lifestyle change, a commitment to yourself. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. I just found that for me personally, I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great methodology to use. I was just getting a little too amped up. I don't know what it was. Jittery? Like coffee? Too much coffee? Like jittery. And uh, a couple other folks, uh, John Berardi, he's a um, nutrition expert, uh, precision nutrition. He's got a PhD, really sharp, smart guy. And he started... I noticed him, uh, he was doing this for a very long period of time. He just said he was also feeling the same way as he got more and more. So have you ever done like a long duration fast, like a 48 hour fast? I did that once. 24 hours felt great. When I hit, got into the second day, I was a miserable and mean human being. And my wife promised, made me promise I would never do it again. <laughs> I was just angry. 
And she was like, you can't do this. I don't care what you want to do. You're, you're, you, you are not allowed to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Some people are great. You know, I just couldn't do it. But yeah, I had noticed I was getting really amped up and I felt on edge. But if I, my window was a, like maybe that a little bit, you know, maybe the eight hour window or if I uh, had most of the window when I was sleeping, I woke up feeling just fine. What, so if you do the eight-hour diet, where do you place your eating window? Well, when I was doing it, I was doing it around, uh, I think it was like 12 or really, I would do it shorter. It was like 12 to 6 or something like that. That's pretty typical, yeah. Well, 12 to 8 is like the most. Whenever people come up to me, they're like, oh, I do that diet. I'm like, what'd you do? They're always like 12 to 8. So that's all of our studies. We just do 12 to 8 because there's been some like nice observational studies that came out to looking at like app users and like 90% of people or something are place it then. Because the main thing is people don't want to miss dinners with their families. Like you can't create a meal timing intervention where like you never get to eat with your family again. Like we have like subjects in our studies saying that they would, when we did have studies where we made them skip dinner, they got like pretty angry about it. But they said the main thing was they would be like <laughs> making dinner for their family. And then they would just have to sit and watch everyone eat the dinner they just made while like drinking tea or something. So anyway, <laughs> we've learned from our mistakes. And then we had like crazy dropout rates in those studies too. So I was about to say your dropout rates must've been just awful. When we think about things about creating regimens for ourselves or systems to follow, it's often like we look at the tactical pieces and then we forget about contextualization. And so anybody that's listening to this, I would say this is a phenomenal tool that you can put into your, you know, a resource that you can use if you're trying to lose weight or maybe you're traveling. That's when I do time restricted feeding the most is when I'm traveling. It's my way of not eating junk in the airport. So I'll just not eat and I'll just drink coffee and water and that's it. And then I don't eat junk at the airport and I get to the hotel, I get a workout and I feel great. And then I don't, cause it's really easy to gain weight if you're on the road. Oh yeah. And then at the airport, I know I, I travel a lot too. And I remember being like, I want a salad. And I'm like, Nope, there's like, zero. it's like a burrito <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Cinnabon always smells so good. <laughs> True, yeah. Yeah, I think this is I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing and I'm thankful that you're you're doing it in such a way that it's honest and it's not gimmicky. It's like here's the truth, here's the facts. If you can do a caloric restricted diet and you can eat, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's great. But this is just a really simple way to just by placing some constraints on yourself, it just makes it harder to overeat and you can maintain a healthy diet, a healthy weight. I have one more question for you on this. There are some people that are eating like one meal a day, like the David Sinclairs of the world. What do you feel about long-term caloric restriction, like people that are like going years under eating? So we we did run about seven years ago. I got a lot of emails from Silicon Valley because a lot of people were, have you heard of the WeFast movement of like all these software engineers that work at like Facebook and whatever. At the time, the Twitter I have a CEO, tech company. Oh, okay. So yeah, maybe everyone's doing it. But. I'm very ingrained. Everybody's biohacking their way to 
16 hour work sprints keep going <laughs> exactly yeah so a lot of them were doing it i don't think for like weight maintenance necessarily or health benefits but they said it helped boost like concentration and focus so they were eating within like just one meal a day or in these really short windows so we ran like a four hour study like where people had to eat all their food between 3 to 7 p.m so like dinner time extended dinner time and we, it was only a two month study, but people actually really liked it. And they, they ended up losing like, I forget, probably like 10 pounds over two months. And they said, you know, the first the thing that people have to understand, like the first 10 days of these diets are pretty rough for a lot of people or the first week, it just takes your body a while to adjust to like skipping breakfast or whatever. But then people actually like really liked it. So that I don't know, it's, it seems fine. Like we and we saw metabolic benefits with that, like people's insulin resistance went down, oxidative stress went down. But again, that's like a two month study. I think the only like human trials we have of like prolonged calorie restriction is, um, have you heard of the CR society, the calorie restriction society? It's like this group of primarily men, you can like look at this online, that have agreed to follow this like 40% calorie restriction their whole lives. And like they're doing it for life extension. But in all honesty, I probably shouldn't say this, but I guess I will. Like if you look at like the photos online, like these people just look so unhealthy. Like I'm sure their like metabolic profiles look great, but they look like they're like dying almost. So, like I'll look at this and be like, oh no, like please eat something. But so that that's like the only data we really have. And there's researchers that follow them and they do look good, but it's just like, how about quality of life? You know, like, I don't know. What about sarcopenia? I mean, if you don't eat enough and you're losing a lot of muscle mass, like that's not putting you in a good place for longevity and for a good health span. One question I wanted to follow up with is when you are on a caloric restricted diet, preventing muscle loss is really key. So like what are some things people can do to make sure they're maintaining as much muscle as they can while they're losing weight? So yeah, with time-restricted eating, we do see a bit of muscle loss, but it's the same amount that you'd see with any diet. People are a bit worried that intermittent fasting like increases muscle loss, but it, it doesn't. You basically just lose whatever you'd lose with typical calorie restriction. So we tell people that they can either, they can do two things or a combination of in doing resistance training. So like weightlifting can help, any weight-bearing activity really helps. And then particularly combining that with like a higher protein diet. So like 25% of your energy is protein just by eating more protein or like doing protein shakes if you want to do that. And that, that can help you actually completely maintain. There's been studies showing that, that you get like zero muscle loss doing those things in combination. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show and learned something new about intermittent fasting and why it leads to weight loss, please consider sharing it with a friend that may be going through a weight loss journey or is interested in the topic. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.